0: Amen. Well, welcome to dive. My one of my favorite days of the week. It's a contender. Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Well, let me start off with prayer, real quick. Father, I thank you for tonight. Thank you for the anointing that you have given me to minister this word. Father, I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation on all who are here, and Father, let the people that aren't here know how much they're missing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for whatever you're doing tonight. Holy Spirit, minister to these people as you will. And it's in the name of your Son, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this because everybody's on this side. Cameron, you might want to jump to the other side. I don't know. I don't want you to be way over there. Well, praise the Lord. How many of you are happy to be in the house of the Lord tonight? It is a good day. And a good evening, Hallelujah. So, let's jump into this. We've been on a a, a course, if you will, uh, on on track with some things that we've had in the works. Um, we started off this whole thing talking about who God is. I mean, you know, you can't know anything else in the entire Bible before you know who God is, That's right. before you are familiar with our Heavenly Father, with the, the, the being who is both the Creator and Lord of the whole universe, but also your personal Father. That is the first thing that you have to know. You, you can't be saved if you don't know who the Father is, who God is. So we started off with that. And then we, we jumped over to, the in, in my opinion, the second most important thing you need to know before you know anything else which is who we are in relationship to the Father. Um, one of the aspects of that is, is what the Bible calls righteousness. It's our right standing with the Father. And you can't know anything else in the entire Bible until you know who the Father is and who you are in relationship to the Father. So, we've covered all that, and that was great. That was amazing revelation, and I hope you're all... Dwelling on that and meditating on that constantly throughout your day-to-day. But we finished up with that last week. And, of course, that that wasn't everything there is to know about who the Father is and who we are. That was just a preliminary get-to-know-it kind of thing, okay? It would take us years to preach everything. And we still wouldn't preach it all. Because the Bible is never-ending. You will never preach everything there is to squeeze out of this word. Anyway, so we're moving on to something new tonight, yes. and I have been given the responsibility of coming up with this, and praise the Lord, the Holy Spirit has revealed some really cool things to me, and I believe that he will reveal some really cool things to you tonight. So in the, in the hierarchy of where we're going with this, we, we know who the Father is, we know who we are in relationship to the Father now, the third most important thing that you need to know before you know anything else in this word is you need to know who our enemy is. Amen. So tonight, tonight we're going to be talking about our enemy. Who can, who, who's our enemy? Shout it out. Satan, Satan the, devil. the devil. That is the next most important thing that you need to know tonight. Now, there are two big things that I need to get across to you before we can jump into this. Somebody say two things. two things. Okay, first of all, if you hear a teaching about Satan and it leaves you nervous, afraid, or unsettled, either you didn't hear it right or somebody didn't teach it right. Come on now. Because any true, real teaching about Satan will always leave you reassured, and more confident, because he is a defeated foe. We already live in the victory over him. So you got a lot of preachers um, preaching fear. You better watch out, or the devil will get you. He's waiting around every corner to get you. And it leaves people in a state of of nervousness, which is not of God, not at all, of fear, of always looking over their shoulder. It's like, is he coming from here? is he coming from here? I better watch out because he's always coming for me. No, no, no. There's a part of that that's true, but you should always know who you are in relationship to the Father. And who you are in relationship to the Father is you are a step above Satan. He is under you because of what Christ has done for us. That's why we had to go over who we are before we got into who our enemy is. Okay, so that was the first big thing. Second of all, second of all, we as believers, as, as preachers even, and teachers, we should never give Satan more than he is due. Some people get stuck on Satan and they live their lives looking for him. Like, oh, you better watch out, devil, because I'm a child of God. Is he over here? Is he under here? Is he coming, coming, is he coming from here? And people get stuck and obsessed with Satan. Even if it's from a defensive you know, victory standpoint, you can get too obsessed with looking for Satan. Right. Brother Hagen, uh put it like this. Um, I'll paraphrase it, but you can get so obsessed with something that it will eventually just possess you. So, any good teaching about Satan will always leave you reassured and more confident. And number two, never give Satan more than his due. What's his due? Satan's due, what we've got to give him is awareness and resistance. End of sentence, period, full stop. All we've got to do is be aware of him and resist him. That's Satan's due. So, Along with this, uh, and I've got so much cool stuff in here. This is um, going to be at least two nights, maybe three. I'm still working on it, still letting the Spirit minister to me. But um, there's some preliminary things we got to get, um, get down first, some informational things. But so who is Satan? Who is our enemy? Where did he come from? What is he doing here in the earth? Where, where's this all going? That's the big thing. The big first that we got to get out of the way. Who is Satan? Now, Satan, our enemy, the devil, he has done a very, very, very good job at one particular thing, and that is convincing most of the world that he does not exist. He's been, I. I Props to you, buddy. You, you've done a good job at that. Because even a lot of believers, people who claim to be believers, people in the Christian circles, don't really think that Satan is a real entity. Wasn't it the, if I remember correctly, the, uh, the Pope came out a few years ago and said that, that hell wasn't real that Satan wasn't real. I mean, come on, the Pope? He's a a big spiritual leader in the world. I mean, sure, we've got problems with Catholicism, but we don't need to get into that. But there's a lot of Christian, Protestant Christian folk who think that Satan is just, um, you know, a lot of people think that Satan is just all of the collective bad stuff that happens. Like, uh, oh, wow, a tornado went and blew that house down. That was Satan. Or this person died from cancer, and the act of that person dying from cancer, that is Satan. And Satan is just the bad stuff that happens. And then some people think that Satan is just a, a literary metaphor in the Bible. And both of those are just wrong. Satan is real, he is a cognizant entity, he has his own, he has agency, and he has personality. You cannot convince me that Satan is just some metaphor. Right. The Bible is abundantly clear that Satan is his own person. He, in fact, every time it references him, uh, he has personal pronouns attached to him, personal attributes ascribed to him, including a will and knowledge and personal, real actions are attributed to him. And just one I can think of, you know, a metaphor can't go to God and talk to God about afflicting Job. I mean, come on. So Satan is real. I I didn't think anyone here had a problem with that, but we got to get some stuff out of the way, Okay. So, so who is Satan? Now, another thing we got to get out of the way is, is Hollywood. we got to get Hollywood Satan out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you know, when the world comes up with something or depicts something, you can almost guarantee that it's wrong because yeah. the world came up with it. Mm-hmm. And Hollywood movies, TV shows, um even even uh even books and and things like that have depicted Satan as this this red man with horns and 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 goat hooves and a pitchfork and he you know sometimes he sits on your shoulder and he's this big scary monster and he it like uh he's kind of like who's seen Disney's Hercules Anybody he's kind of like the big Hades kind of big and scary and loud but no that's that's not Satan I'm sorry to tell you that is not Satan mm-hmm. that is nowhere near what Satan is like If you could look at Satan physically that's nowhere near what Satan would look like right. Okay so we got to get all this Now now listen I love I love science fiction I love fantasy, TV shows, and movies. I love that kind of stuff. Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. But I do not let, especially something the world created, depict how I look at our universe. You cannot let fiction depict how you see things. And that especially goes for Satan. So, the devil is real. He's not what the world has made him out to be. But, here's the thing. Satan, the devil, was not always the devil as we see him today. You see, Satan was not created Satan. The devil was not created the devil. In fact, he was originally an angel named Lucifer. And we'll we'll get into that in a second. But, You see, God does, did not, did not, does not, will never create evil. It says in Genesis that everything, everything God created was good. And here in a sec where we'll read, it says that Lucifer was pretty much the greatest of God's angels. It uses, it calls him the anointed cherub. And actually, I just read today, when I was studying for this, that that word, anointed cherub, that is the only, in the, in the Hebrew, that is the only place where that word is found. The word is found one time in the entire Bible. And it's ascribed to Lucifer. So he was the greatest of the great angels. The most beautiful, the most holy, the most perfect of all God's angels. The most talented, the most... Um, respected he had the most responsibility so satan was not created the devil he was not created evil there is no cosmic balance there is no yin and yang there is no balance to the force there is no this is the good side this is the bad side this is the bad and the good this is the good and the bad together we have balance there is no balance of good and evil There is only God. Okay? The universe does not need to balance out good and evil. Evil is a perversion of God. And everything he does is good. Amen. Okay. So let's jump into some scripture here. Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28. Give me just a second to turn there. I have it written down. <laughs> Ezekiel 28, verse 12, and we'll read all the way through 19. Uh, in the ESV, it says, Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of, king of Tyre. Now, let me say this. Um, in a lot of the, the prophets, you know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, they'll be talking about natural things. Like before this, Ezekiel was talking about natural kings and natural leaders, but a lot of times in the process, they'll start prophesying about spiritual things. Yeah. And you can see, ex- this is a prime example. It says, son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of tear, and say to him, thus says the Lord. Now, the spoilers, the king of tear here is talking about Satan. It says, thus says the Lord, you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom And perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle. And crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On that day, you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. That's that word I was talking about. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Some translations say iniquity was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst, and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and I destroyed you. O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. By the multitude of your iniquities, in the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. So I brought fire out from your midst. It consumed you and I turned you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who know you among the people are appalled at you. You have come to a dreadful end and shall be forever and shall be no more forever. Now turn to Isaiah 14. The book of Isaiah, chapter 14. So we see in Ezekiel that um, Lucifer was perfect. It said... You are the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. And it, it, it says he was made of thee, the anointed guardian cherub. And I think Isaiah 14, we'll start in verse 12, it kind of picks up really nicely off of that. And it says, in the, in the King James Version, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art you cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see you shall narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, Is this the man or the one that made the earth to tremble, that did shake nations, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? So again, we see Satan's actions before he fell, or or rather, Lucifer's actions before he fell. And then... Finally, in Luke 10, 18, it says, And he, that is Jesus, said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So, you see, Satan wasn't always Satan. It's the saddest story in the whole Bible, yeah. in my opinion. It's just, I almost want to pity him, except I really don't, because I kind of hate him. <laughs> this This is the story of Lucifer, the very first sinner, the very first fallen angel and we, when he fell, he took all of his forces with him. Most scholars believe that it was a third of all the angels in heaven, which is really, really sad so we so now we know where Satan kind of came from, where he came from, where his 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 origin was; he was created Lucifer, a, a very perfect and beautiful angel. His name actually means "light bearer." He was the bearer of of glory. Yet he fell so far because of the pride in his heart, the iniquity that was found in him. So, so what is that leads us to 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 come from where? was Satan originally to where he is now? And in the process of studying that out, I began to see that that Satan is called by many things in the Bible. And now what I know about names is a name denotes a thing's nature, its purpose, its character, its actions. Just like God, God has many names. El Shaddai, um, Jehovah, Yahweh. All of these different names and purposes and actions and roles that God has all summed up in his names. Well, Satan has a lot of names too. So I thought I'd start there. Because a lot of these names tell us what his purpose is, what his actions are in the earth, what he's doing right now. And I had a thought. As I was reading this. All these names that I'm about to name. All of these roles that Satan has. All of these actions that Satan does. I'm looking over them all and I'm thinking to myself. So really, this is a list of things that we are not. Yeah? yeah? So, let's start. I'm going to give you the name and then the scripture references where you can find it. So his first name, obviously we've gone over it, Lucifer. That is found in Isaiah fourteen twelve. The name means light bearer, shining one, or morning star. It it was a name full of glory and beauty and perfection. It was his first given name, even though it's not anymore, unfortunately for him. Now, it's important to remember, um, I think, that Satan still retains his beauty, his, um, maybe glory is not a good word, but his, his brightness, his, his beauty, even after he fell. You know, a lot, like I was talking about, Hollywood depicts him as this twisted, disgusting, ugly creature, but that's not accurate. He didn't morph into this disgusting little... "Ah." No, Satan retains his beauty. And we'll get to that in a second, even after he was cast out. Um, Anyway, so Lucifer. Next we have Satan, which is what is probably most commonly called Satan. And I have no specific reference to this because the word Satan is found 56 times in the, in the whole Bible. Now Satan. If you look into all the, the different meanings. And translations of the word Satan. It accentuates his role as the adversary. He is in every sense. In every scenario you can possibly come up with. The enemy. That is his role. That is what he is. That is what he can never not be he is the enemy. No matter where you, where you are, what situation you find yourself in, he's the enemy. Some people want to blame God. They want to blame just, gosh darn, this stupid car. But Satan is the enemy. Yeah. He is the adversary. And next, next, the next name that Satan has is Devil. And again, I don't have a specific reference to that because devil is found 35 times in the New Testament. And devil, if you, again, if you translate the name, look through all the meanings, devil denotes his role as a slanderer and an accuser. Now, we'll get to accuser in a second, but let me jump on slanderer real quick. The devil can only ever slander. What does slander mean? Somebody. Slander. Come on, talk to me. Tell lies about somebody. Talk bad about somebody. That's what slander means. He can only ever talk bad about somebody. Rub their name through the dirt. Um, One of his... uh, Well, I'll get to that in a minute, actually. He is the slanderer. If somebody is slandering you... They're being influenced by demonic forces. Because that's what he does. He slanders people. He, um, He puts people down. That's what slandering does to people. Puts them down. Belittles them. So, he is the devil. Which is the slanderer. Now, another name he is called by is serpent. That's found in Genesis 3. And it is also found in Revelation twelve nine, and Revelation 20, verse 2. Now serpent is his first recorded activity on the earth. Back in the garden, he deceived Eve. That's the first time that humanity ever saw the devil, ever interacted with him. Now serpent denotes crookedness, deceitfulness, and guile. He is he is the most crooked. He will twist things, he will deceive people, and he'll do it with all the all the cunningness and malicious malicious just vicious guile that he can muster, because that's what he is. He is crooked, he is deceitful, he is full of guile. You know what guile is? Guile is, guile is cleverness, but it's, a, it's an evil cleverness. It's a crooked cleverness. And that's Satan. Satan, he's full of it. He is full of guile. So the serpent is one of his names. Now, another name we have is dragon. Very similar to serpent. That's found in Revelation twelve seven through verse 9. If you're writing it down, Revelation 13, verse 2, and Revelation 20, verse 2. Now, dragon, uh, it's not expounded upon a lot, but generally, dragon is in the context of his great power, because, you know, let me tell you something, Satan is powerful, and on our own, we have no chance of defeating him which is just adds another incredible layer to our redemption and the position that God has put us in as his children and co-heirs of Christ. Because without Christ, I'm a level with you, we can't beat Satan. If we weren't in the position we're in, righteous with God, made his children, we would have no chance against Satan. Because as a spiritual being and the position that he was in, He has greater power than us alone, which is why we need Christ. Amen? So, dragon. And the next name we have is Beelzebub. That's found in Matthew 10, verse 25, and again in Matthew 12, 24. Now, Beelzebub translates to Lord of the Flies, or sometimes the Jews have translated it again into Lord of the Dung Hill. He he nasty. Now, I did that for you, Kaylee. Now, Lord of the Flies, this denotes his rulership over his own host of demons. When When Lucifer fell, he took his own forces with him. Now they're all fallen angels. Now they're all demons. And Beelzebub accentuates that. That he is the Lord of the dunghill. The Lord of all his nasty forces. That you don't want to get near. You don't want touching you. You don't want them anywhere near you. Praise the Lord. Anyway. So, another name we have for Satan is Belial. B-E-L-I-A-L. Belial. That is found in Deuteronomy 13.13. 13, Judges twenty, verse thirteen. I'm going to give them all to you. Twenty, thirteen. First Samuel ten, verse twenty seven. And again in First Samuel thirty, verse twenty two. Belial. Directly translated, it means good for nothing. Good for nothing. And it denotes, obviously, his worthlessness. There is nothing good that Satan can do. He literally cannot do good. Another name we have for Satan is tempter. And that is found in Matthew 4.3. Matthew 4, verse 3, and First Thessalonians 3, verse 5. Now, tempter is one of Satan's primary actions against us. He is the tempter. That's what he does. That is the source of all temptation. That's how he tried to take Jesus down. He tempted him in the wilderness. Now, I, I don't have time tonight. to. I think I'll do it next week. I don't have time to go into all the details of that. But let's just say for now that that is one of his primary objectives, is to tempt us, to get us off of the right track, the path of righteousness. So, he is the tempter. Uh, another name we have is, it's, it's translated different ways, I'll just give them all wicked, evil, or lawless one. And that one's pretty self explanatory. There are several three four four verses where this is found. First John five 2 Thessalonians two eight. Matthew thirteen nineteen. Again in verse 38 of that chapter. And 1 John 2, 13 and 14. Did you get all those? 13 and 14. I don't really need to explain this one. He is wicked. He is evil. He is lawless. I think that... The, uh, the lawless aspect of him has been especially prevalent in the past couple of years. Um, just, just crazy lawlessness. And yeah. whenever you see lawlessness like that, you know it can only come from one source. Because right. that's what he is. We're talking about Satan's nature. In the very core of his being, he is lawless. And he propagates lawlessness anywhere he can dig his heels into. So, Another name we have is Prince of this world that's found in john twelve thirty one John fourteen thirty and john sixteen eleven now Prince of this world it signifies his rule over this world's systems see god uh, or Sorry, Satan, he's not on a physical throne somewhere. You know, he's not the, the king of Russia or something. And a lot of people, a lot of people miss that is Satan is not the, the god of this earth per se. He's the god of this world, this world's systems, this world's governments, this world's society. He's not on a physical throne. He's on a spiritual throne and the spiritual throne governs people's hearts. And you control somebody's heart, you control their you control their government, you control their neighborhoods, their societies. Satan is the prince of this world. Now, another thing that should be noted is he is not the king of this world. He's still under the dominion of God. God he placed Jesus as the king of kings yeah. and the lord of lords. So, so you can take that. Another name we have, prince of the power of the air. This is found in Ephesians 2 verse 2. And prince of the power of the air, we've already seen that he's the prince of this world. Prince of the power of the air suggests his rulership over spiritual forces. Or in other words, the 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 forces that shared with in his original sin. He's the prince over over the dunghill, so to say. Lord of the flies. Ephesians two verse two. Another name we have which kind of goes along with prince of this world, is God of this world. Uh, some translations say God of this age. That's found in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Now, God of this world denotes his rulership in in our realm. Like I said, he's not on a, he's not on a physical throne. He's on a spiritual throne. and And it's different from prince of this world because God, the word God, denotes a, a religious standing. See, Satan, I mean, you've all heard of the Satanic Church. Satan has his own religions. In fact, any other religion other than Christianity is of Satan. All this Hinduism and Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness and Buddhism and any other religion you can think of, Satan's got his own religions. He is the God of any other religion other than the God of our Father. He has his own teachings, his own doctrines. He's got his own ministers. And he has his own sacrifices. He is the God of this world. And this world, the world we call it, is not in the kingdom of heaven. That's why we call it the world. So he is the God of this world. Another name we have is deceiver. That's found in Revelation 12, 9. Revelation 20, verses 2 and 3. Verse 8 of that same chapter and verse 10 of that same chapter. And this is another one of his primary functions. He is the deceiver. And uh, let's see, it goes along with one I have down here later, but that's what he does. Any kind of deception, any kind of wavering from the truth, from what is truth, I talked about that a few, a few weeks ago, what is truth? And truth is whatever is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and whatever wavers from that, that one truth is of Satan, because that's what he does. He is a deceiver. He is the deceiver? Can I have that water, please? Thank you. Another name we have is accuser. And that's found in Revelation 12, verse 10. The accuser. Now, this is another one that... I think I'm going to go into more next week because there's a lot to unpack with just that. Just that. Satan is our accuser. Mm. Spirit, do I do that now? No. No, I'll save it. I'll save it for next week. Just for time's sake. Accuser. He accuses you to God. He accuses other people. And he accuses you to yourself. It goes along with deceiver. He'll accuse false things about you to anybody who will listen. That's what he does. Another name we have is Angel of Light. And that is 2 Corinthians 11.14. Now, Angel of Light, this is the one that I said I would get to earlier in the message. Angel of Light... It says that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. In other words, he appears to people as if he is a messenger from God. He appears as something truthful, something helpful, something benevolent and good. That is one of his greatest deceptions. You know how it says in the Bible that people in the last days will call good evil, or an evil good? Right now, who do you think's doing that? Why? Because why would why would somebody call something that is very clearly evil? Why would they call that good? Because Satan's a deceiver. Because he has presented himself, he has presented that idea to that person as something good for us, something something for the good of humanity. So Satan is the angel of light. Another name we have, I promise I'm, I'm running out of names here. There's a lot of them. Another name we have is murderer. One that does not need much explanation. John 8.44 for that reference. Murderer. Satan wants as many people dead as fast as they can get dead. Yeah. In fact, all of, his, all of his actions drive people To death. He would love if everybody in this room just died right now. He would love it. He'd have a heyday. And he loves it. Satan loves it when people die and they don't know the Lord. He loves it. He is not a murderer. He is the murderer. Another name we have is Father of Lies. And again doesn't need much explanation. Satan is the, the originator of all deception. We've already gone over his name as deceiver. Father of lies is John eight forty four. by the way. Well, that's what he does. He originates lies. He will come to you with the most subtle lie, the most promising lie, all wrapped up like an angel of light, and sell people a lie and call it good. And they'll think, wow, I sure am glad that I came up with this. He is the father of all lying. Another name we have is Roaring Lion. 1 Peter 5.8 Roaring Lion. Now this denotes his fierceness and persistence. Because it says in Job, um, and here, here in Job, that he wanders to and fro about the earth. And here it says he is seeking someone to devour. Now, I want you to notice here just for a sec that even though he is fierce, even though he's wandering around roaring, he'll get up in your face and roar. And even though he's the most persistent cuss, that's that's what Keith Moore calls him. He's just a cuss, ain't he? He's the most persistent cuss. In that verse, it says that we are to resist him. And God would never tell you something you can't do. We do. We need to be persistent. Maybe that will be my next sermon. How to be a persistent cuss against the devil. I like it. Maybe. We'll see. So he is a roaring lion, but he cannot devour you. Is there anybody in this room that he can devour? No. I wish somebody would just... Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Okay. Last one, I promise. The destroyer. The last name that Satan is called is the Destroyer, Revelation nine verse eleven. And this is one of his main goals: is to destroy, to destroy things that God has created. One of his primary goals is to destroy things that are good. It, you see, how all these names kind of wrap up and intertwine with each other. He, the Destroyer, also goes with with murderer. And deceiver and accuser. Satan loves destruction and war and broken relationships. Satan, oh, he has a heyday when that happens. When things are destroyed, whether it's physical things, like even a building or, or people dying, or even if it's just a relationship, Satan loves when things are destroyed. A nice summary, if you will, to wrap up all these names can be found in John 10.10. The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that is who Satan is. He's a thief. He will steal whatever he can from you. He will steal your joy. Steal your life. Steal your finances. Steal your kids. He'll steal whatever he can, however he can. 'Cause that's what he is. So I I kind of promised you that any teaching on Satan wouldn't leave you a little depressed, so more more aware? More reassured. So we Sure. yes what version are you using really? oh so okay I'm sorry I didn't uh, I didn't elaborate on that so destroyer here is the word, the last word of that verse, Apollyon. Apollyon. It's a Greek word that translates to the destroyer. My bad. I skipped that part. <laughs> Apollyon. Actually, I should have just written that down. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Debbie. Anyway, so I've got to leave this on a high note. So we talked about where Satan came from, and I know i got to get through all the informational stuff before we get into the meat. I'm sorry. But now you know where Satan came from and what he's doing on the earth. But real quick, let's talk about where he's going. You see, the devil does not like his destiny talked about. So I make it a point too. Satan, okay, here we go. Satan's ultimate destiny at the end of whatever you want to call it, this age, the end times, whatever, Satan is going to be confined. Okay, I'm going to get real scholarly on you. He will be confined for a thousand years, released for the final battle against him and the forces of heaven, and eventually cast into the lake of fire forever. I, want to, I wanted to read that. I wanted to read that. That's found in Revelation 20. Um, starting in verse 1. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it, and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer. You see how many names of Satan are found just in this one passage? How many roles he plays? Ultimately, the deceiver. After that, he must be released for a little while. Now, some people get a little stuck on that, because why would he be released for a little while? Well, I'll tell you the answer. I don't know. <laughs> Ask God. Personally, this is my opinion. Please do not take this as gospel, but hurt. Per- Personally, I think he has to be released as one final cleansing of the earth of of people who who aren't fully on board with with the Lord. That's my opinion. You can believe what you want. Um, Anyway, picking up in verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camps of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beasts and the false prophets were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And my friend, that just makes me so happy. You realize we're allowed to hate Satan. The only thing we're not allowed to hate is each other. We're allowed to hate Satan. I hate Satan with every fiber of my being, and it just makes me so happy to know where he's going. I don't know about y'all, but his time, his time is so short, and he knows it. It says in Revelation twelve twelve, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, For the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. I want you all to know that all that stuff I just read about all his roles, his different actions, everything he does on this earth, all his different names, he's doing it like a rat backed into a corner fighting for his life because he knows he's about to get eaten. He knows his time is short. He knows he can't do nothing about it. Because God has spoken. This is what's going to happen. That settles it. That's where you're going. That's where you're going to end up. And you can't do nothing about it. Sorry, my friend. Devil, if you can hear me, you know where you're going. and You can't do nothing about it. And I'll give you a little secret. You don't have to wait until he is... Bound in the bottomless pit or cast in the lake of fire, you don't have to wait to live victoriously over Him. Because right. we've, we've already, praise the Lord, we've, we've already been seated in the heavenly places yeah, yeah. Yeah. in Christ Jesus. Right. We already have dominion over Him. And He can't do a thing to us. He can't do a thing to your church. He can't do a thing to your family. He can't do a thing to you. He can't even come near you. He comes yapping in your ear. You say, get Get out of here. Because that's how much power he has. All it takes is a little bye-bye. Praise the Lord. Jesus, the name of Jesus, he's given it to us. He gave us his name. That's all we got to do Say, Satan, depart from me in the name of Jesus. You know, I I read a story of Lester Summerall. He's a great minister. He was ministering to uh, to a boy who was just extremely demonically oppressed. And finally, he got the boy free. And he waited a little while until the boy had mentally recovered, and asked him, and asked him. So when when the when the when Satan was oppressing you, when you were possessed by that devil, did you have to do everything he told you to? And the little boy said, said no. And he was, and, and, and Lester uh, Summerall said, said, so, so what did Satan do when you told him no? And the little boy said, he whimpered. Like a whipped pup. Because if you say no, if you say no, What do you think he's got to do? Listen to you. Flee. Resist him and he will flee from you. I could go on, but then I'd kind of be spoiling my message for next week. And it's already 8.10, so we got to get y'all out of here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He is defeated when we win. There's a note. There's a note right under the where it says the book of Revelation in my Bible. I I wrote in, spoilers, I win. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you above all. Thank you for the victory you have placed in, in us, for the position you've put us in over our enemy. And I thank you for the power, for the authority, for the for the victory in our lives, so that we can live above and not beneath. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us, and thank you for what you're continuing to do for us, to us, through us, by us, on our behalf. Thank you, Father. Your name be praised. Your name be glorified, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you. I I pray that the seeds that I've planted tonight will be given increase in in the hearts of everyone here, and that they will walk away having learned something and having been given wisdom and revelation by your Spirit. Thank you for it, Father. And I pray for that same anointing on me next week. And again, thank you. And Father, it's in your Son Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said Amen.